Okay, we are... Oh yeah, we're rolling. Oh yeah, we're rocking. Welcome to Pedagodzilla at Playful Learning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh God, Mike on the mixer desk Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm Mike, um, Senior Learning Designer at the Open University, uh, Imposter Syndrome Incarnate, a man with many microphones, and Mark's lovely Roadcaster 2 mixing deck. Um, and I am joined, as ever, by my super capable, co- super capable co-host. Uh, I'm Mark Childs. Um, yes, so also playful learning, obviously, because I'm sitting here. Um, yeah, okay, there we go. Cool, and I guess we're just going to introduce very quickly what we're actually going to be doing in this mini-series that you'll be listening to. Yeah, uh, two sort of parallel mini-series, aren't there, with these little podcasts? Yeah, so um, we've got um, two formats, basically. We're going to be giving... Uh, we're at Situated in the Playful Learning Conference. We've squirreled away in our little corner. Uh, we've got a banner next to us, which... We've already torn. <laughs> but ironically, the banner does say surprisingly unprofessional, so I guess that scans. Um, yeah. And we are offering people one of two things to talk to us about. One is fabulous formative failures. So finding out as part of a Pedagodzilla Festival of Failure, uh, what fabulous failures people have had, what uh, calamitous catastrophes, uh, what other alliterations. Really yeah, we, we were listing some of them, yeah. yeah but um, yes, um, and then the other thing... Uh, the other thing you're going to have to pronounce. Well, I had to go this morning and also found out that I've got it wrong because it's d- a Danish phrase for piss-poor teaching, which is pissidalig unavisning. Pissidalig unavisning. Uh, yeah, close enough. Yeah, That's okay. as close as I got it. Anyway, we'll get some of the Danish people. Uh, this was uh, We sent our proposal in for con- conference review because it's a rigorous, actually, although it's playful, it's still a very rigorous academic selection process that goes on for these things. And the, one of the reviewers said, oh, have you heard of this movement? Um, try and incorporate that into it. And we went, that's a very good idea. So uh, we assume it's a Danish reviewer. I still haven't tracked down who it was who suggested that. But we'll get them to talk on to talk a bit more about what the Pissidal Unavisning movement is. Yeah, looking forward to it. Okay. And do we want to share some of our fabulous failures, or should we do that later once we Well, you've already today? mentioned the big one, which is I managed perfectly well on my own to get the, <laughs> the uh, banner up yesterday for all the photographs and things, Monday when it arrived. And yet when we tried to do it between us, I think we both thought the other one was holding it, so we let it go, and it's all ripped now. Yeah, <laughs> but, we've think, really... but looking at it in retrospect, it's like, uh, actually, that that suits that's that yeah. that's our jam. Unfortunately, it kind of fits <laughs> a little bit knackered around the edges, <laughs> a little bit on the piss. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's our fabulous failure for the conference so far. So so far, we've had a keynote, which is really interesting. Yeah, um, Lara, uh, who we're hopefully going to speak to uh, a little bit later and publish as part of our um, daily conference in a pod digest. And about a dozen of my Durham colleagues are here as well, which is great. I so. think we've got two on our table. Um, Oh, in your campfire. Yeah. Oh, yes. So tell them about the campfire. Oh, yeah, the campfire. So this is a super interesting format. So as we came into the the conference, um, we were all given a neckerchief. Oh, I'll say neckerchief, kind of like a bandanary neckerchief piece Mm -hmm. of material, basically, where, as you choose, all in different colors. And those different colors denote a campfire, or basically kind of like a collection of people who are also wearing the same color, um, who are kind of like your campfire colleagues throughout. And it's a really nice sort of um, social idea to get people mixing. It's mm. broken. It stopped me and Mark sitting next to each other. Yeah, which you would have done otherwise. Absolutely. We yeah. walked in together and then thought, oh, we can't sit together because I'm one of the black campfires and you're the lilac campfire. I know, and there's like a terrible war going on between us. Some sort of massive, <laughs> <laughs> terrible feud. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been really nice. And there's like kind of tasks and things. We've been given sort of taskmaster style tasks mm. to do throughout the conference. I've already ticked one of mine off. Oh, well done. And uh, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, looking forward to it. How about you? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, so uh, one of the things that I thought about um, 
yesterday on the way down was there was a lot of stuff on Twitter about conferences and about how there's all these barriers to, um, I was just waving to Rochelle there, um, uh, uh, to particularly certain types of people, and it's just working class specifically, but it was about how alienating they can be and how exclusive and all that sort of stuff. And I was just thinking, we need to find a way to get more people to learn about what goes on at this conference because I think there's a lot of elements of this that could be interjected. Interjected? That's not the word. Injected. Injected is the word I'm after. I always interject an extra syllable into that. <laughs> um, um, and I think it does make it a lot more accessible for a lot of people. But Lara was interestingly talking about how it's not entirely inclusive and how it might could be more inclusive. Oh, interesting. Oh, you were there, weren't you? Weren't you at the keynote? I was there, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what she was talking about. I know, I'm just saying it was interesting. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so it's, you were saying that's interesting as if it was me who'd said it. Oh, that's interesting. You meant it was interesting, yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I still need more coffee. I mean, we're, spe we're speaking to Laura a bit, so things yeah, to look okay. forward to uh, yeah, on this. So we are going to be speaking to the keynote speaker each day, hopefully, as long as mm -hmm. we can snag them. We're also going to be speaking to some of the organisers of Playful Learning who are in themselves Playful Learning experts. We're going to be talking to Nick Whitten, who is the authority on, on playful learning. On playful She's learning. written the book on it. She literally wrote the book. Literally wrote the book. Uh, and we are in particular going to be tapping her up for some info about where failure sits within playful learning. Because uh, yeah. boy, howdy, is that the whole core of yeah. our thing? And also maybe like, uh, okay, yeah. So and also, I think sort of trying to get a feel and the flavour for what it feels like to be here and how it's a bit more interesting than most of the conferences. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, okay. it's already been a good atmos. It's going to be great. Uh, we hope you enjoy the uh, the uh, the fabulous failures and where to find them. We hope you also, uh, sorry, the fabulous formative failures. And we hope you also enjoy all the examples of piss poor teaching yeah. that we collect throughout. Um, and I'm not editing any of these. I think. Oh my god. Okay. Right. Unless we like do a really <laughs> big cuss. Um, so yeah, I'll edit. I'll, I'll I'll fade us out now with okay. our music bed, right, uh, okay. which I keep on pressing the wrong button on. Okay. Here we go. Oh yeah. Nice. You could also try a little few little uh, other music effects. Music effects? Not music effects, yeah. What can I do? Uh, <laughs> bigger smart pads. I'll, I'll figure that you out. You could do applause. Oh yeah. Played in some applause there, Michael. Oh yeah, I've pressed the wrong button again. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I love this. I think this is just how we start and end them all. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Mark, why would you sully it? <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Pedagodzilla, the pedagogic podcast with a pop culture core here on location at Playful Learning 2023. Doesn't he sound professional? It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Amazing. If you see me put the banner up, you'd know how unprofessional I am. Um, I am Mike, um, senior learning designer at the Open University, uh, imposter syndrome incarnate, and man with microphone. I am joined by my capable co-host. I'm Mark Childs. I'm also senior learning designer from Durham University. So, yeah. Our capable co-co-host. And I'm Rebecca Ferguson. I'm a professor at the Open University. And we are joined by special guest, not keynote speaker, no, headline act from day <laughs> one of Playful Learning Conference, Lara Ratnaraja. Thank you very much. Otherwise, yeah. the Rick Astley to your blooms. So. <laughs> Rick Astley to them. Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so how's it going? Uh, yeah, it's been a really, um, not what I expected at all. And I mean, in a very positive way, um, because uh, in typical fashion, I hadn't actually prepared anything. Um, and uh, I, I know Alex, and I'd kind of looked at it, at the conference outline, I was thinking, hmm. Yeah, it's especially like an unconference, which I'm slightly scared of. And then I kind of looked in the programme, I was like, oh, so it's quite interesting. But I had no 
had no ex- expectations. Well, most academic conferences are just really boring and very structured and very dull. And when you... There's rules, but there's no rules. So I quite liked that. So I had, I, had, I didn't really know how that would work. So I was quite nervous. And none of that came across, by the way, in your keynote, which was fabulous, energetic, Thank you. enlightening. <laughs> um, That's because I have, all, I have all the bright yellow hair and all the jewellery. Oh, if, okay. if I if I self-describe, I'm uh, Asian with yellow hair and lots of jewellery. There you go, and lots of tattoos. And um, so I said to somebody earlier, I said like I'm not the Darren Brown, like you know, just like look over here, look over here. So it's like <laughs> they'll be distracted by my hair and my jewellery, and I won't matter what I say. So. So what's your professional background? Oh, so my professional background is um, its quite haphazard, actually. Uh, I, I did a degree at Liverpool um, in languages and politics um, for no other reason other than that I loved uh, French and Russian, so I got to live in Moscow. Uh, actually, the breakdown of the then Soviet Union. I lived in Kiev, and I lived in northeast France as well, so that was annexed rather than occupied in World War II, so there's a whole kind of... There's whole metaphors for everything I studied then like when I look back, Um and then I was kind of quite good at, I'm sort of a real humble brag now, I was very good at everything. <laughs> uh, but basically I was quite good at most things in a kind of generic way. So I didn't really, there wasn't anything I excelled in. Mm. So I spent most of my twenties just doing quite you know, jobs and I was quite, I'm very well organised and uh, lots of kind of operational management in federal education. I was running a kind of school office in the arts. And then I became a project manager at the Chamber of Commerce running their creative industries programme that I talked about. Um without any knowledge of what the creative industries were. Um, I was on the board, actually, of an arts organisation. Uh, and But that was just mainly a kind of skills thing. And then I um, now ended up as a director. And then I became an expert in the cultural sector and creative industries. And increasingly, I kind of actually use a lot of my language skills in, in the brokerage work I've done within, within universities when I run kind of projects at Birmingham. I work at Birmingham City University, Salford. And met, I've worked with quite a few universities, but also I do a lot more work now around intersections. So some of that is around leadership and diversity in the cultural sector, because it's not there. And the other stuff I'm interested in is around digital culture and culture and how we make work in different ways. And that's probably even more relevant now with coming out of a pandemic and how work is made. And I'm, I'm really interested in democratising a lot of the access that we have. Okay, cool. So your, your headline act, your, I've got keynote written here and I'm given time to mentally edit it out because no, because it was a headline act because we're at a festival. <laughs> yes, festival. music festival. We are. Yes. We're dressed the, for a festival. The opening effect. We are, we are actually all dressed for a festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh God, I've lost my bandana. I'm not dressed uh. for a festival. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's oh, it's there. Oh, thank you. Oh, there we go. We've solved a... No, I went out. I had this around my neck. I just look like a psychedelic scout. No, I don't, I don't <laughs> suit. I don't suit. So that's why I've got it around my wrist now. Yeah, this, this is sort of like sort of um, very gentle on ramp to being a cult. Um, so, yeah, uh, we talked about um, rules about financing. You kind of you managed to strategically slag off just about every institutional. <gasps> oh, I, I was looking at your feet to see the hole that was being dug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, was like, I don't care. No, <laughs> that's fair enough. But you also discussed, um, you know, the you know fighting against institutional inertia mm. and, and understanding rules in order to break them. Uh, do you want to just, I guess, give the listeners and people who haven't been to the playful learning kind of like a flavour of that? Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't slagging off finance and marketing. I was no. actually slagging off the systems that are put in place to stop people. To stop things. Yeah, to stop yeah. to stop kind of fluidity and creativity and. It, and I think that's what I find it fascinating in universities that they mitigate. Oh, I've got to find somebody to give them, show them my passport to show that I exist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to keep that. You can keep that in because yeah. every time I work with a university, I'm like, oh, I have to prove. I have to bring my passport with me. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's because of Brexit, so we can just leave that one there because I'm obviously a Remainer. Um, and but but all of those things are system systemic barriers. Mm. Sorry, do we have a sound effect for a Remainer? I feel like there should be a. <laughs> Is there a boo a, one for Brexit? Because I yeah, <laughs> like a boo one. And, and we have a Remainer. <laughs> Cheer. 
No, that hasn't worked. Okay, let's try again. Oh, deafening okay. silence for a minor. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, there we go. That works. But, but so <clears throat> you look at impact. So the mm. impacts are things like that make it very difficult for people to navigate. So I was listening to this morning actually um, on uh, one of the breakfast programs. Obviously, it's the NHS uh, 75th birthday. And they were talking about that the systems in place mitigate against collaboration. Now, these aren't the NHS systems. It's the, it's the pressure that, and the weight the NHS is working under mm. means that there is a, there's less collaboration and therefore less inventiveness. And all of that has an impact on how we, we deliver free healthcare. So it becomes more expensive because we've made it more difficult. Mm. I say we, they. Yeah, <laughs> there's a they in this one. Um, and I, so I think when I talk about um, things like finance systems, it is actually who, having to prove who you are is ridiculous. I'm a freelancer. So I, at the moment, there are three institutions... That, that owe me quite a substantial amount of money because we're waiting to get me on a supplier system. And I know how to do this. I did it in the university. So I know exactly how I could. So actually what I did was I just emailed the director of the uh, council and they did it in two hours for me. Cause, so that's what privilege looks like, is actually that you know how to break those rules or you know how to navigate those rules. But I, I'm not like a, a disbeliever in rules, but there's a, there, it, it's the ones that don't make any sense that have no kind of concept of user journey. So if you just start collaborating with people that game for example then you'd have a much greater understanding of how user journeys work not this is the output we need to get to and we will put all these steps in place to get to the output yes yeah, the difference between sort of rules as rules and rules as tools isn't it yeah, like, yeah. R- rules and frameworks should be there to help rather than yeah and a framework is probably a better way of doing it because if you look at a framework then it's a way a much more inclusive process because actually a single journey is not the same for everyone it's absolutely inaccessible some of the systems that we're talking mm. about and and i think you know, for people are on, who have visas and if they have uh, remained to stay, all those kind of issues are quite... I've been asked those questions repeatedly. must be quite traumatic mm. as well. So, mm. yeah, my, my thing about the systems is they don't have to work the way that they do. Um, and they are, particularly in universities, they are set up to say no, not to facilitate something to happen. So then when we start talking about innovation and collaboration and all those kind of ways of working and the, the widening engagement agenda within universities and impact, all those kind of things, why would you bother? People yeah. like me can do it because we've run those projects in, inside an institution, so we know how to do it ex- external. So that's why I consult so many with, much with the universities because I know how to navigate that. But it must be quite exhausting if you're trying to find that, you know. And every university is different. I remember when I worked yeah. for Leicester, the only way I could get paid was to, I had to, finally I had to register with Unitemps. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's like, well, if you register with Unitemps, so it's like a day out to the local office and it's like, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, a researcher, I'm sort of doing on a project. And it was like, yeah, you got to be on uni temps because that's the only way we can pay you. Makes no sense whatsoever. I won't mention which university it was, but I'm obviously freelance. Yeah. And because I'd hit the ceiling as to what they could pay freelancers, they then had to pay me POA, which is absolutely fine. Mm. So this whole kind of, I, but it, I, I, I want to say it's really boring now. We get to my IR35 and all these sort of things. Anyway, they had to pay me uh, pro rata at a dean's salary <laughs> because wow. I refused to drop my day, sal- my day mm. rate. So pro rata is not the same as, you know, so I was like, this is just, I, you're, you're making yeah. it more expensive for yourself. Mm. It's got to cost so much yes. money just administering all of this. I mean, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, the, the impact of the cost. <laughs> so when people go, the budget's going to get slashed. I thought, well, maybe don't do it wrong in the first place. Yeah. I'm, I'm basically very efficient because I'm very lazy. So I only want to do it once. I don't want to. Have to blind copy everyone on emails yeah. and do things that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> right, Rebecca's just sort of like mm, big organisation trying to get a box of pens. Oh, you're clenching your fist, by the way. But I'm thinking in terms of, of rules, and you were talking about having the privilege uh, to be able yeah. to ignore the rules, to be able to subvert the rules, to know the rules well enough to navigate them. 
Um, we do a lot of sort of discussion around game-based learning and games. And a sort of aspect of a game is that it has rules. Um, but the rules in a game make it better, don't they? Whereas the rules yeah. in a university seem to make it worse. <laughs> yeah. But also, you're talking about institutional rules. Mm, so yeah. institutional yeah. rules are, are there as barriers. Games rules are allowed to say that everyone has an equal opportunity to play. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever role you're playing in that game, you, you, you don't want to have only this person playing because then it's not a game. It's just a solo journey, isn't it? So, yes. so actually, the whole rules within the game are to maximise the experience. Oh, of so it's like one one's about balancing acts, uh, balancing equity, and the other's about blocking access. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's deep. It's interesting. It is. <laughs> oh, do we have an? We don't have an Mind explosion. Point. I think we've got, well, we've got trombone. Yeah, that's no, that totally was, inappropriate. That trombone. That's noise. I thought trombone it'd be like a celebratory trombone. No, no, no. It's uh, yeah. A trombone's always sad. It's a trumpet that's happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we need a trumpet. I'll see so, if I can... Sorry, One of the things that I, I kind of would be interesting to sort of get into with the, all of these is about the Playful Learning Conference and stuff. And how much do you think that you were talking... The thing that I was particularly interested in was the, the thing about equity in play and inclusivity in play. Yeah. And that sometimes play isn't inclusive. And I think that you, know, you said earlier about it being a cult with all the bits of bandanas and things. That, do you think there's anything about play that actually excludes people that more than not play would? Yeah, I think it comes back to what Rebecca was just saying about if you, you know the if you rules. know the rules, you can yeah. you can you can break the rules. So if you're university educated and you work in a university like I am, like I was, mm. then I could break those rules. And also some of the rules, also I don't really care about a lot of things in the, in the sense that I just, when I went to work at the Chamber of Commerce, I didn't know things had to be done in a certain kind of way. Um, so I could just go ahead and do it. And, and, and I actually look at, you know, I worked at uh, the oldest Chamber of Commerce in the world. So it should have been very traditional, very kind of, you know, hide It was one of the most expansive places I've ever worked in. They let me go on and do exactly what I like. As somebody once said when we were, when the, when this was all closed down by the government, they said, well, you're completely unemployable because basically you just did your own job. You did what you liked for eight years. I was like, oh, God, I am. Mm. So the only place I could go mm -hmm. work was in a university, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but it, was, it was really an interesting space to be in that people let you do that. Mm. But I, I, nobody really questioned anything I was doing. As long as I was hitting targets, you see, that was, that was the bit. Okay. And I was the one in black doing a lot of art stuff. Yeah. So they're fine, whatever. And she's, <laughs> she's, doing, she's making money or generating. Yeah, income, and we're, so we're, we're hitting all the way, you know. And, I was, and, and that came back to the rigor thing. And there was a massive foundation of what we were doing that was auditable. Kind of, so there was, a, mm. you know, we had some, it's public money, I absolutely feel there's an accountability there. Yeah, so that's a, that's a sensible rule. That's yeah. a rule that but so encourages the, the, equity. And I think it's, it's playful learning that I was talking about in terms of yeah. privilege and, and, and yeah. equity rather than play. Because when you're talking about games, I think that's much more equitable and mm. much more accessible in, in, the, in, the, in the sense that, you know, barring any kind of issues around access to physically or um, being able to, to play with games, most people who've got the kind of equipment can play games. You yeah. know? So, But I think when you're talking about playful learning, mm. if you have had an educational background that has not necessarily been a great learning experience for you, has been, you know, again, the metrics of learning that we have under this government is, is you know, it, it's measured in STEM kind of ways without the STEAM kind of aspects. It's, it's very much focused on outputs that... I think are increasingly irrelevant in a contemporary society. So I don't mean that you should have maths and English, but I think learning is an expanded um, set of kind of like ways of, of thinking. And and I'm really lucky that I've actually been allowed to, not allowed, but I insist on working in that kind <laughs> of way. Um, but I've, I've found people around me that have let me 
be that person. And yeah. that's, and that, but absolutely, it's hit all the targets they wanted. It's in all the things that they wanted to do, which is where my language degree comes in because I can translate that into this is for a public sector report, this is for the art sector, this is for the funders. Uh, so I can kind of navigate that. I've um, only worked this out backwards, by the way. But just to finish that, the thing about playful learning is if you don't have access to those tools, if you don't understand what the framework was in the first place, how can you break those rules mm, and mm. have a luxury to play? And, and particularly, I think... I was talking economically that if you're coming from a different socioeconomic background, you don't you don't have a luxury of failure because it has yeah. to succeed. Your yeah. whatever you're building has to work because yeah. it has to make you money. So yeah, and you have to feel the confidence to actually engage with playfulness in that sort of yeah. way. Really, yeah. And I mean, I was talking to somebody who uh, had we were all basically the bandana thing is that as we came in, we were assigned to a particular group, and the whole idea is a rational idea. It's it's a good idea. It's break down the normal networks and, in, and basically enforce a different network. You sit with the people who've got the same coloured bandana as you and that means that you end up communicating with the people that you wouldn't do otherwise. So for people that aren't very good at networking, it's a rule that's about equity. Mm. But I was talking to somebody at lunch who had the wrong, ba- who had a bandana, didn't realise that rule about sitting with everyone else, sat down with the wrong table was immediately told you're at the wrong table and so all the barriers <laughs> all the barriers went up it's like i don't feel comfortable here because there's a rule that i've already broken oh cool we, we made tribalism about. by like yeah absolutely steps yeah wow, yeah see we were talking about this earlier there's, there's there's intentions and there's impact and yes. i sometimes think that the, i said this to Ellie earlier that the the road to hell is paved with good intentions it's a lot of well-meaning um but we don't look at the impact of what those intentions can have which is what elliot's brilliant at because yeah. i'm sure he would have had you know it's like a big crowded room you can't hear everyone yeah it was elliot that said actually turn on the microphone yeah because you don't you don't <laughs> put this out to alex but you don't ask can everyone hear because the person who can't hear is the one who's not actually want to go around want to go into answer that question yeah or so it's might not be able to answer the question or might not yes. be able to <laughs> yeah but just want to flag it yeah. excuse me i'm the deaf person yeah. in the room you don't want to have to do that so yeah, there are, it, it is unintentional. Mm. At least the, the 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 intention is there to make things equitable, but it's so easy to just fall down and sort of put up barriers. Yeah, and I think I think there. I mentioned it in my presentation also it that is, that isn't yeah. about diluting what mm. what this looks like. So when I was doing the CAS project at uh, Birmingham, at University of Birmingham, and other projects that I've run since, there there's an equity and parity within those groups, but they're not there's not an equity across all of them because right. they're all going to work in different ways. People uh, think in different ways. People make work. And also your journey is different. So mm. I'm kind of like bang, 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 bang. And actually it was great work. That's why I do like working at university. It slows me down. Right. So it stops yeah. making me kind of dry. No, so it, you know, like I, I wasn't. I was only half joking when I said I'm a joyless fun sucker. He's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's have a contract. Let's do this. Let's do yeah. this. So let's do that. You know, but but actually, it's um. But I I, I need to have. Uh, interesting. I, I think I, I need to have a foundation on, on which yeah. to kind of expand. Other people think do, do, do opposite. So so I now as a freelancer have, and this is very much a luxury and a huge privilege. This, I, I've been thinking about this over the last couple of weeks because I'm working in partnership with a number of people, all of whom work very differently to me, but that's been a really amazing kind of way of working, which I've, because I'm quite, I, I, I don't know if you've sensed, I'm slightly a bit of a control freak. Um, okay. Yeah. No, that hasn't nobody's, actually come across. Nobody's really, no. really. the hair's just camouflaging <laughs> it so well. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's been great working different ways, because yeah. I think, like I said, why, why is play boring? Mm. Why do we stick by that set of rules? So I, I have to put myself in situations which I'm quite uncomfortable with, 
because then I start working in a different way and then it becomes a much more interesting project coming out of it. And and you also have like skill sets that are really interesting to work along. Those things I know I just cannot, I've got, I'm working on a project at the moment that's involving like analyzing a lot of data sets. Now I just be like, mm. but the interpretation and the conversations we're having about it are really rich. And that's kind of making me, so I can do that bit and the other person's working on the other bit, but it's not like you're doing that bit and I'm doing that bit. We are, sorry, if you can't see, I'm, I'm doing right and left hands. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm a big arm waver, so that's really annoying. Um, but it's actually about how you put those two skill sets together. So yeah. that's that's been really interesting for me that I tend to, if I go for tenders or if I'm uh, asked to do work, I tend to bring somebody else in. And that's where the language thing comes in. Because yeah. you're saying that's the biggest issue to get sorted. And I was going, oh, what? But of course, different disciplines have different languages different sectors have different languages and it's yeah there's translating uh, between those if you because i worked in the cultural sector and the creative industries then people will talk about market or audience mm. now the cultural sector don't like me saying that but that's the same thing whether or not people are coming in and paying there's still a kind of transactional relationship and yeah. actually one of the things i talk about about the cultural sector being more inclusive is stopping that transactional binary way of we produce work you come and buy a ticket see us in this kind of way because it, what's the purpose of having all this amazing digital technology if we don't augment the experience? Why did we go through a pandemic if we're just going to go back to doing everything the way that we did before, which is <laughs> unbelievable and like, uncreative of the cultural sector? And it absolutely parallels the experience of education, yeah. which is it's not about the teachers teaching the students. It's about doing that kind of co-production thing. And it's about not going back to where things were before. Yeah, the, the conversation we had about Andy, the point that was made about anarchy in the curriculum, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. because... No, but, I, but absolutely against that because we're learning designers, you know. And, oh, <laughs> and it's about the rules actually being about equity, you know, so too much anarchy and then nobody really is, everyone, it privileges too many people. Well, I think, yeah, I think what they, I'm going to assume, put words in their mouth there, but I yeah. think what they meant was also that we don't have to do it in the way that we have been doing it. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, also ba bad learning design is like intractable rules and yes. unhelpful yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's, yeah. no, you can't do this because you have to do this in a certain way. And a very yeah. linear way of doing it. Yeah. yeah, whereas good learning design is a framework, it's freedom of the framework, it's a, it's a basis of which to operate and build upon. Yes, yeah, so if I look back at my favourite teacher at school and my favourite lecturer at university, it, it, it was the people that I managed to... Learned quite Derail. a lot from, well, 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 without even really knowing I was learning mm. a lot of that, especially yeah. around my languages, which was much more about the social context of language, you know, those sort of things, which are not taught in a very linear, linear way. So, and that's all the kind of, you know, that's probably the way that I would, I would learn now as, as well. Um, I do like a framework. I don't, I'm not, I'm not like for all anarchy. Okay. Yeah. Managed anarchy. Managed, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. I, I sense another rule is um, time. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No, I'm oh, going yes. to wrap this up really quickly, but just one last question for you, which is, so you talked about um, still finding the fun in things. So we were talking obviously fighting against or just kind of working around uh, institutional friction along the way, but still finding fun. What's your top tip for people finding fun in playful mm -hmm. learning and professionally practice? Oh, oh, a very quick question then. Um, <laughs> uh, I think I think sometimes you need to step out of it. We were just talking uh, with a couple of people I've been talking to over lunch, which it, just, it can be quite exhausting when you're the person constantly battling. I think it's finding finding a tribe a bit, which is kind mm. of an overused phrase. So what I quite like to yeah, everyone in this room is kind of an outlier in their institution or anomaly. Mm. But it's like when I was a teenage goth, I was like a, I was very different. I was unusual amongst the thirty other people that looked exactly like me when we used to get the night bus into town. So, so yeah, we were different altogether. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, so I think I think you can, but I think increasingly that is changing. I think you do. You sometimes need to come to conferences like this. I'm not plugging this, but you need to go to spaces where people can give you that energy back. Mm. I think sometimes they, the the institutional friction is there, but it's really tiring. 
it's very, very time to keep doing it. So you either find people, you find allies within your organization, that's a really important thing, but you come to spaces like this yeah. or just take some time out of it. Read, you know, that we're, we're surrounded by resources now, like podcasts, like music, like things. You know, my, mine is, um, I, I think a lot in the car when I'm driving because I'm driving, like, I'm on tour, obviously, after Dave Grohl of, uh, of, of the <laughs> cultural sector. Um, I drive a lot and I think a lot. and I But I also... Um, I, when I was trying to write this presentation, I was just really struggling and it was about seven o'clock and I thought, I'm going to go for a swim. So I go and find ways now, sorry, that I would never have done before. But also the main thing for me is finding people, not like me, because you just don't want that kind of same perspective, but finding people that either challenge me, you know, I can work alongside or just give me really good ideas. So I think it's finding really good people that you can do that with. And that's how you keep the joy of it, actually. And have to say, so the way I, work, I come back to how I work is because I work with people that bring me different ideas and perspectives. And then you kind of, you move up a level. You power up, basically, each time. You're powering mm -hmm. up to a different level because you've got new levels to do. You've got new, and so I don't know always the goals I'm going to have going into something to do some kind of playful analogy. But I do once we kind of work together and we have whole new goals that we didn't even know. There's a little bit like Easter eggs in all the games that I'm playing. So find, mm -hmm. find your people to be different with and do different with together. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks so much for your time, Laura. Have you got anything Thank you, you. want to plug? Um, where can people find you online? Uh, com at lararatnaraja. Uh, lararatnaraja on LinkedIn. There is only one Lara Ratnaraja. <laughs> not a lot of it. So yeah, you can find me on, uh, I think it's Lara Ratnaraja on Instagram as well. So Awesome. Well, thanks very much for joining us. Um, this is us closing off this recording. Um, still day one of the Playful Learning Conference. It's our very first one. Our very first, first one. First yeah. proper oh, recording. Yes. Mm. First proper, proper recording. Is that the bar there then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty high. Oh, yeah. There's the music easing back in. And the applause. Oh, the audience loved it. <laughs> and here they come. I mean, come on, come on! You, you've got to love the cheese. I have, I have, I do love, I do you, love the you cheese. Literally, have a no, plate of cheese. No, with I'm you. not unpro. No, no, it's Mark right. bought cheese with him. I know it's all right. Anna doesn't listen to the podcast. She's not have no has no interest whatsoever. Um, oh. I, par as far as as far as my <laughs> wife knows, I'm vegan, and I'm into <laughs> cheese. <laughs> So we are um, Pedagodzilla and we are uh, on location at the Playful Learning Conference. I am your host, Riggedy Diggedy Mike Collins. Well, I've um, got a mouthful of brie at the moment, sorry. And I'm joined by my colleague, my capable co-host with a mouthful of brie. Hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm Mark Childs uh, and all that's the usual and stuff. the top of the microphone is now covered in cracker crumbs. Mm. And we are joined by our co-co-host. I'm Puyin, I'm a senior learning designer somewhere, not important. <laughs> <laughs> and we are guested by Playful Learning veteran. Penn Holland from the biology department in York. So in this, uh, we're just going to do a very quick recap uh, of the day for us. A quick reflection on Playful Learning. We're going to get some of Puyin's thoughts on day one. And we're going to get uh, an early sneakery peekery in audio form at Penn's crazy new game. So, um, oh, the light's just gone off. How romantic. Oh, Mark's... <laughs> Making eyes at me. Could just be cheese vision. Well, you've got three eyes facing me. Oh, that's true, yes. Yeah. So I've got a temporary tattoo on, which I discovered after putting it on might not be as temporary as I hoped. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, day one. Uh, what have we done today? What's everybody done today? What haven't we done? So do we want to just go around, I guess, do the sessions okay, that we've done? I think Mark I and I have done, overla done overlapping sessions. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I missed the first one I really wanted to get to, which was Susanna Quincy's and... Um, Jane's thing, but we got into podcasting, so we missed that. Then I did the session with Skillful, uh, otherwise known as Universe City. Univ Adventures, Adventures in Universe City. 
adventures in university uh and then we did um monumental consequences monumental consequences rebecca so um i guess let's talk about university first um yeah, sure. do you want to introduce us to the concept of what it is? Okay, so um, Adventures in University. It's had about six names in the last fortnight. Um, and this is a card game, a deck building card game, where you spend time to buy skills and experiences, uh, which you use to pass your assessments or not, um, and make it all the way to the end of university, where you might graduate or you might just decide to run off and be an apprentice wizard. Um, and make your life a success in different ways. My plum was more, more, more my plum was richer than me, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, what we're trying to do is make a fun way for students and staff to engage with professional skills in higher education um, and kind of help people understand the different experiences that students might have uh, coming from different backgrounds or going through different things while they're there. So one of the crucial things in the deck is the life happens cards. Yeah. Which are genius, absolutely inspired. Mm. Yeah. And a bit too real at times. Like you get mold in your <laughs> kitchen. It's like, oh my God, I remember I <laughs> had that mold. How did you know that? Magic, yeah. <laughs> magical mold. <laughs> so the session itself was um, almost like a beta test. Uh, so it's kind of like a big group session. Mm -hmm. We're encouraged to give feedback and things. You know, how did um, I mean? I guess how did you think it went? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really useful um, to give a bit of background. We had the idea for this before Christmas. Um, we got told we had some money for it in about February, um, but students are quite busy, like acquiring skills and passing assessments. Um, so we recruited a, an undergraduate team who have literally worked on it for three weeks and they've gone from a very vague idea that goes, oh, there's some skills cards and there's some time and there's some life um, to a full-on fantasy-themed deck-building game for four. Um, and, yeah, it was really good to get some people from outside the project playing it. We know that the, uh, the startup is a bit complex and overwhelming for people particularly ones who are not familiar with, with deck building. So it was really good having Mike on our table. You, you were like, oh, it's just a deck building game. It works like this. And that that uh, do sound like that, actually. <laughs> oi, oi, what's <laughs> going on here? Because <laughs> I think the other team, uh, the, the other table that we're playing, maybe had a few different perspectives on um, how hard it was to get going. So that's definitely some really useful feedback from people about how we might tweak that to, to make it easier to get into. I mean, personally, I really enjoyed it. I think the uh, there definitely feels like there's maybe one mechanic too many on top of the deck building, just from complexity perspective. But the uh, yeah, the life happens deck in itself is just so inspired. I'm going to be using it in like future uh, workshops with teams because it's just the academic teams. It's just it's like oh cool, you've made a nice robust like year long curriculum for this. Cool. But what if life happens? Which for <laughs> OU students yeah. is like yeah, li life is constantly happening to OU students. They're just like life magnets. Yeah. What if your mortgage is now thirteen percent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a strange, what a strangely random thing to say. <laughs> that, that would never happen. <laughs> oh my god! When this goes out, like tonight, that could almost have happened. Like that's that's what a crazy world we live in. People, people in two years are gonna be listening to this, being like, "Oh man, only thirteen Just thirteen percent. God, yeah, I remember when I could afford to breathe. How do you find it, Mark? Um, yeah, I think I'd agree with the one too many mechanics. Um, I got the idea of deck building. I, um, Laura, I didn't get that at first and picked that up pretty quickly, the fact that it all goes into your deck and then you play them again. It was the interaction of, 
here are these life points that you lose because you haven't addressed the assessment and here's these skills that you've got here which then address this form of assessment and have I addressed this form and how have I so purchasing cards is a mechanic in a lot of games where you you always have a round a purchase round um, so that was okay but it was the interaction of all those different elements and I think having to go back to the rules too many times Sure. I'm prepared to put that effort in, but I'm pretty sure none of the people I'd be working with would want <laughs> yes. to do more than five minutes. But what was great from it, I was talking to James because we were sort of working with each other, um, is just ideas about how that would work and to maybe have things like, uh, so course design, we'd be looking at course design, but how do you build up the elements of course, elements of course design? But then things like the resilience to impact like the vle goes down or the <laughs> a pandemic happens or you know your uh, it support go on strike or whatever and then having those as cards that you play against your so rather than it being a randomly thing coming up you could play it as a way to create that kind of level of competition between players might be quite interesting as well mm. so yeah I love that there's always people always like a little bit like oh, competition in an education setting. <laughs> <laughs> or you could play it, you know, sort of collaboratively and you go, well, here's a teamwork card that I'm giving to you as long as you give me a, you know, a sort of um, a learning design support card back. Um, so that, <laughs> Jesus. I've been attacked by the microphone. Sorry, Mike, I, I gave you the haunted microphone. <laughs> I think it's because you were talking about that cursed tattoo that you were thinking about oh yeah <laughs> so um yeah so that might be an interesting thing and then of course you've got all the the sort of teamwork teaming up with people and then betraying them and so you could have all that as a sort of extra mechanic around what the actual cards are saying and that that creates an element of an interesting element as well, i think so we might try and work on something along those lines but mm. yeah totally inspired by what you yeah. did this I, it just got so awesome. many it's got so many good ideas in it yeah that it's just like what can i steal yeah. <laughs> what can i steal i'm feeling quite sad right now because i missed it oh, oh. we can play, we what can were you, play yeah what were you were you at a different session then or did you just get sidetracked completely or what time was it uh what is it for session two i was oh you were you on the phone to no i was at the i don't know where i was actually I just missed it. I just yeah, missed it. What sessions sad. have you made today? Have you made a session today? Yes, I have. It was the uh, Magic Tricks. That was really nice. Oh, how was that? What was that like? It was amazing. Tell us about it. No. Well, this, this is the whole point of this. This is a retro of the day. A magician never revealed their secrets. I mean, well, you know, did, they, did a rabbit appear out of somewhere and be like, pedagogy? Like, what, you know, what was the... So it was, it was kind of using... It's not really magic. You learn how to do... The, the magic in sort of air quotation marks and um it was um the learning learning development team from university of northampton and um they were saying how they use kind of playing to engage with students um and how it kind of helps them to improve their writing and it was interesting that the, stu the feedback that they they got from the student were some of them anyway were we don't understand the relevance but it's been fun <laughs> that's all right <laughs> <laughs> God, that could really sum up playful learning sometimes, couldn't it? Just it like really a lot of effort and best intentions as students but, but, being like, but, but that I was laugh. But I that sums up my life. But I kind of <laughs> said to them, because I, I believe in relationship building. Once you build a relationship, things become easier. So I said, you know, your students don't understand the relevant. It doesn't really matter. You have, through playing, you've made a connection with them. That means they're more inclined to come and ask for help because you are 
well, certainly on the face of it, a nice person. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that prefix. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can Looks fake like sincerity, him. you've got it made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's amazing. laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was, it was really fun. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the program here. That was Paul Rice, Emma Kimberley, and. Amy West. Yes, they're really nice people. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. That's a good. I know. I don't know them, but I know the team there because I applied for a job there once. So <laughs> I didn't get it, but I, and I know Rob, who runs that team, he's really nice. So yeah, it's a good. It's I mean, good not group. nice enough to hire you, obviously, but. Well, it's not about how nice you are, is it? It's about, oh, how well you know them. It's about how competently you do the tasks at the interview, and I guess I didn't. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was. Okay, <clears throat> moving on. Um, so, <laughs> well, it's failure, fa fabulous failures and yeah, all that yeah, sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, we should record more of those, really. I think we've really done yeah. two of them so far. Um, so um, the other session we did was uh, Mark and I were ostensibly co-chairing a session oh, with yeah, Rebecca. We, we weren't. I mean, let's. Rebecca carried that thing on her back. Mark and I handed out a few cards. Um, it was all Rebecca. But um, it was a game of monumental consequence, which is uh, basically a, a large... Um, LARP game essentially where you're all given a role and it's to get you thinking about uh, the value of art and the history uh, and kind of some of the ethics uh, surrounding some of it and yeah uh, and the consequences of actions and it, just, it was a really interesting game to play a really interesting dynamic mm. I probably butchered it and it's apparently it's a big movement in the US where there's a whole course is built around this sort of taking on roles and interacting with each other, trying to talk, talk to each other. And See, I had no like idea that. about this, so I've no, never no. heard of this before. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I was the innkeeper. I mean, I missed that again. I was midwife Katia, but then as soon as the sort of introduction finished, as soon as we were going to start interacting, my phone rang, and it was quite, important, quite an important phone call. It was meant to be five minutes, but it lasted 45, so missed it again. At least you weren't a mad mystic like me who wanted to bomb <laughs> the church and had angels I talking to them. I was going to be a popular person because I brought every single child of the village to life, to, to the world, to life. <laughs> to life. <laughs> I helped the ah, mothers. Uh, the yeah. necromancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to be a popular person because my role was to, not mine, to, you know. So, yeah. you, so you're saying you could have swung it to bombing the church? I she would have saved the people. I could have, on my card, he said my role was to comfort the mothers and was to oh, help no. the people, help them ease the pain uh, of I, potentially having the church bomb. Yeah, so we, we all had like a character card. And there were about 30, 36 or something, Rebecca was saying. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah. and they were like, they were like you had basically your whole life on it. It was kind of mm. who you are. Uh, kind of people, uh, your relations, what you want in the world, but also kind of some of your specific things in relation to um, this church and whether or not it should be bombed because the enemy are there and whether you want to destroy the priceless art in there. And it was just, it was wonderful watching the interactions play out in real time. I think one What of happened with your dad, by <laughs> the way? What happened in the end with your dad? Well, um, <laughs> I managed to persuade him that actually uh, it would be a good... Alistair will be is on one of the podcasts, so... Um, I managed to persuade him that it was more important that our brother survive. Our brother was in the my brother was in the militia. It was more important that he survived than um, a piece of artwork that our mother really relished was preserved, and that our mother, my mother, would want my brother to survive more than the cassock. For some reason, we focused on the cassock. That wasn't on the card, but we both liked the cassock, so we were talking about It was about the idea that. of the vicar going around with his cassock on, I think. That yeah, or having it set on fire by the by the people who'd invaded. But I, it didn't really work because the brother, the card that represented the brother didn't actually get dealt. 
What was your What was your role, Pam? I was I was the innkeeper. But like, what was your What were you actually um, trying to get out of it? Because well, I remember I you just... were advocating for getting that art back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, so really, really, I just wanted all the really rich people coming on a pilgrimage to the <laughs> the village to keep coming oh, and so staying some... in my inn. So I didn't want the church to be bombed uh, because then people would stop coming and giving me all of their, their money. So you didn't to stay care. In my inn. You just so I didn't really care money. about the art. Or the um, people. The money. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted the money. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So I think an, an interesting, what, how you could improve that slightly as a mechanic is a lot of games you might have like a four-player version or a six-player version, but some of those characters only come in if you've got the six players. So you've got all these little sub-stories like me and Alistair as father and son, or father and daughter. I think I was the daughter rather than the son. But but that didn't work because the other brother wasn't there. So basically what ah, you need well, is to sort I, of expand I, it slightly. It, so it that does. That's the thing. I think okay. we just had really bad luck. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, there's, there's different sets of cards get used depending on how yeah. many players you've got. But yes. it's still like, there's still slight luck of the draw thing yeah. to randomise it. But... Um, yeah, so there's like certain combos of cards have to come up because they interact with each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and ours didn't. That which yeah. so so you'd sort of either have all three or none of them, and they have a different. Yeah. So, but it was a it was a good game, and I think I'm not sure how much we got from it about the learning about the different importance of life and art, because I in the know. end, <laughs> Alistair swapped sides simply because Claire just emotionally pressurized him into swapping into the other side. He couldn't side. take it anymore. He couldn't take no. it I mean, anymore. I learned that Claire Timmons is uh, an absolute like baron. Like, yeah, she's got absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, she, her character... Yeah. Sure. yeah, although it was just desserts in that her character got shot when they well, invaded. Well, she said that's why she persuaded him to move, because she said she would stand in front of his son. Of, of my brother's. Of your brother. Yeah, yeah. and she and did. And save him, and she did. She yeah. died. She, so, yeah, she, so she all these narratives... You can tell yeah. we were actually genuinely yeah. really invested in this. Yeah, for a while. I think... Oh, we might have one. We might have one. Nope. Nope. No. Okay, no, never mind. No violin. There's no violin. Um, Next time, then. No there's violin. A, there's a... Okay, there's crickets. Um, <laughs> sorry, rubbish. Um, okay, so um, basically, we really enjoyed the game. Um, I think that's basically the sessions that we've done today. Mm. But it's day one of... Oh, hang on. I, no, because oh, no, no, yes. that was your second session. But day one of Playful Learning, how's everybody finding it so far? Puyin, it's your first yeah. time at Playful Learning. What are your impressions? Um, How are you finding it? Honestly? You guys are batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole idea, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm not used to... I, I go to quite a lot of conferences as, as part of my sort of professional development, but um, I'm much more used to the kind of more formal conferences where mm. you go and sit, listen to presentation, being talked at, that kind of stuff. So coming here, I'm just kind of adjusting. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. It's fun, but I'm a bit confused. Yeah, I was wondering if it's a bit too much for some people. This is why we were talk when we were talking to Lara this morning and she was talking about uh, inclusivity and sometimes that batshit craziness. I mean, I think it's important for us because I think she put a finger on it in when we were talking to her in that you can feel like outsiders in your own institution because you're having to work with normal people and I feel very uneasy around normal people. <laughs> so if you get all of the abnormal people and put, bring them all together so that they are normal, that you know, they're of the norm because everyone's abnormal in their own context. And here you're amongst people who are just like you. That's very relaxing and reassuring and you feel included and for the first time. But for people who aren't like that, I think it can be quite intimidating maybe or uh, they don't really get it or it's too much. 
but I mean, obviously, you're batshit crazy anyway, Putin. Oh, so, thank you very much. So oh, no, you fitted in directly. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, you're here now. Was it a compliment? Or was yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're better than normal. You're abnormal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on, Mark. Just really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. really <laughs> hammer everyone that knows, home. Everyone knows Can that's a quote some, from uh, Futurama. Can I get some or cheering sound, please? Yeah, clapping. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Was that the wrong button? too appropriate. Oh, whoops. Yeah. No, that's a quote from Futurama. It's Fry says it to Leela, and it's like I think it's a very touching thing that he says there, and it's the biggest compliment I could give to anyone. <laughs> there we go. Pen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I spend most of my time telling everyone that this is the best conference that there is, mm. um, because it it is, um, and I think one of the things that's really struck me today is that we're all talking about inclusion mm. so much. And uh, one of the great things about being playful is that there are lots of ways to be playful. Yeah. And this is a conference where there is no one way to be how you should be because, you know, I'm having conversations with people who are literally wearing silver glitter beards on their face mm -hmm. and totally rocking it. And then there are people who are just like, I'm just going to have a cup of tea in the corner. You just leave me alone. And that's also fine. And it's, it's such a place where you can be yourself yeah. in a way that, you know, a lot of people can't a lot of the time. Yeah, with I'm, Mike I'm and his... I mean, look at yeah, Mike's I mean, forehead. It's, it's, it's just normal now. It's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's I mean, if anything, the sun reflecting off my forehead is not an unusual <laughs> thing. It's just that it's there in the dark now as well. Yeah, yeah. But what we're doing with yeah. play, I think, when we're using it in education is we're making a space where people feel comfortable so that they can do the learning. And it doesn't matter what they're learning because, no. you know, they, most students want to learn the stuff. Yeah. And our job is to make them comfortable to do that. And, you know, we, we live that at this conference. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's the sort it's, of It sort of normalizes it, doesn't it? It normalizes yeah. it. But what Penn said, uh, that's actually coalesced something for me, which is not only is it, is, is there's lots of different ways of being playful, and it's okay, all of those are okay as well. So it's not just about, oh, now you can be playful. It's like you can do it in your own way, or there's chill-out zones if it's all too much. And so I think that's what it does as well. Like, there was one year where everyone was in teams and you had to compete against each other and that really alienated a lot of people. My team won. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's of course like, they did. <laughs> as, uh, yeah, the uh, game's master. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a competition, but if it was, we'd have won. <laughs> I, I, I hear that a lot. So, um, But yeah, so... Um, Everything so they is haven't a competition. Done, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I always aim to be the most competitive person in the room. Um, so, uh, yeah, so... I think that's they've gone they've 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 stepped back on that a bit mm. in that you don't have to engage with it in that manner and I think it can because everyone feels so great about it and they're suddenly they're here where they can be themselves if you're new to it it can feel a bit culty at times I think and I think and it's so it's a matter of navigating that a bit and saying it, you can do this in any sort of way you like and you don't have to be one of the wacky people with the glitter and I think that's a really, really, very reassuring message as well because often I don't feel like fitting in in that way. Mm. Do it my own way. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I agree with all of that. And actually, like, so this is my second year at Playful Learning, and my first year last year, P and I was kind of where you are, basically still on day one. It probably took me nearly the first two days entirely to get into the swing of it. Um, naturally, quite a shy person, and people came over and were lovely, were talking to me and being very conversational and friendly. Um, which I was like, 
this is nice, but also panic mode. Um, <laughs> but then you're okay because you got the podcast. But then to I do had as a, a rationale. Yeah, I had a, a microphone in front of me, so everything. If there was ain't okay. no mic, there ain't no mic. Yeah, boy. Um, <laughs> damn it, Mark! You've died. That's stop such my, a good line. I, I it was. Um, stop my catchphrase. <laughs> no, I love that. I just trying to adapt it to me, and I haven't worked out how to do it yet. If there ain't no anyway, works. Do you know where that? I, I feel like I was going somewhere poignant with this anyway. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, which was that? So, but yeah, I kind of. Um, Basically, by the back end of the conference last year, I was like, oh, I get this. I click and I felt like, mm. oh, my God, I've found my people. And I feel like I can be my authentic self here. And actually, it was Elliot's um, keynote about sort of being your authentic self at work and everything. And then obviously being in a space where everybody was being that was so transformative. For me. And not just that, but it's a space where it's people who are mother flipping like titans in their field, bestriding, yeah. like, you know, building game, building games that like, you know, around they've been picked up around the world you've got wonderful professors and educators and WW all around us and they're all utterly wonderful and then i came and I, I went all back to, batshit crazy and they're all batshit crazy and i went back to work and i was like you know what i'm gonna be a bit more batshit crazy in my day today mm -hmm. i'm gonna be a bit more myself and i was much happier for it i was suddenly much happier in my role i've subsequently kind of leveled up in my role I'm now senior learning designer and i owe that entirely actually to press the transformation the press your pause button um, <laughs> I owe that entirely to he knew exactly, exactly what, what he was doing there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I owe that God. entirely to last year, because yeah. it was such a transformative experience of just reframing my because oh, you know, I was and uh, more productive and more effective. Oh in no, the I'm role much more effective. Sort of I'm yeah, like I'm, I'm so I've done so much more in my role since then. I've done it better. I've done it, and I'd like to think that in the team I've now got, I'm kind of creating more kind of. I'm trying to kind of propagate that outwards. I'm trying to sort of demonstrate it and make it kind of like more okay in the team I work in. And so why do institutions lock that down? You know, what happens that actually, because they would make more, they would be more effective if they permitted that to happen. I think it's because they hate themselves. Uh, okay. And they hate you, yeah, yeah. or us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think some people are just so miserable that they want the misery to sort of spread out as mm. far from them as possible. They're just, you know foul on the inside and they wish for that foulness to no, no, permeate I'm, the rest I'm, of the world. I'm gonna Oh really? Okay. I, I think again it's about making space for people to express themselves. And maybe there's a lot of places where the first person hasn't felt empowered yeah. to say, you mm. know what? We could we could have fun while we work. And you need a critical mass, right? Yeah. And, and that's kind of our mission. Or you need a leader in that role. So, you yeah. know, DCAD has Nick's running it, Nick running it. So everyone's like that, mm. if they want to be, yeah. I'm, I'm with Mike. I am here as me. Mm. I'm here on my own time. That tells you everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think... Like 99, I, I'm actually, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I was being facetious because I think 99.9% .9 of the people I work with actually do want to, you know, work and live their authentic selves and kind of, you know, not hate their day to day and actually enjoy themselves and feel like they're doing something fun and playful and productive. I think there are definitely a tiny proportion of people who can quite frankly get in the bin and then roll that bin into a lake. Um, but I guess the thing is, is that the, the way things hierarchies work at the moment tend to privilege pe certain sort of people. And it's like, well, you know, it's the neurotypical white male, uh, straight, uh, all those sorts of things. And they are probably their authentic selves because they are a bit crap and they don't want to change things because if everybody else got a share they wouldn't have the same state yeah. level of status. And also the bigger an organization gets, the more, unfortunately, people's jobs are saying no. 
until eventually you start putting systems in place that say no automatically. Yeah. And then you mm. sort of start cutting off all the avenues for fun and authenticity. Which is what Laura was saying this morning about, you know, her critiques yeah. of institutions. Don't, not Don't ask permission. Don't yeah, ask permission. Just do it. No. Yeah. Mm. You heard us. Don't ask permission. Just do it. Like, make a, get your chili water bottle um, and make a Molotov cocktail out of it. Smash the system. Burn the spinning jenny. <laughs> Yeah, we're all going to get dubbed in there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> am I already at the bottom of this second tin of beer? Um, <laughs> oh man, I'm it's, not saying anything. It's gonna, else. No, no, I'm. <laughs> it's really going to suck when I um, don't edit this and then publish it. So, um, <laughs> cool. Okay, final thoughts. Um, do we need any final thoughts? This is definitely the bit that's getting edited. I'm just really happy that I'm sitting at a table with you three. Oh. I am too. I think, yeah. you know, playful learning is like a family. We don't always get on. We do things differently. But when you need someone in that association, somebody's got your back. Yeah. So, you know, if you're out there and you need someone to have your back, we're here. I kind of feel like I'm here on behalf of four other people. So, first of all, what Mike, Mike asked me to come is that, well, come to playful learning. It's fun. So, I'm here to say, for, for you guys, really. And then I told my other friends, we have a little group of five, we have a WhatsApp group, and I said, I'm going to play for learning. They were like, mm. what? We want to go to it, but we can't for whatever reason. So I've been kind of like WhatsApping them all afternoon, and they're like, I'm sure they're cursing me, but, <laughs> you know, it's fine. So you much fun. Fun. I say you're feeling a lot of pressure to have like five people's worth of fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you, have you yeah. sent them a picture of the pick and mix? Oh, sh shit, I forgot. Oh, oh. Where's the pick and mix? There's pick and mix. Oh, you missed it. The pick and mix. Would it be, so I put, I put a picture on Twitter. There'll be one tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sure yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, and my final thought is, oh, I'm just going to copy marks. I'm actually really happy to be here. Last last year I was here and I was a bit terrified. And this year I've been really looking forward to coming. Mm. Um, and I'm here and I'm having a lovely time and well, I'm enjoying seeing everybody. Oh, I shit the buzz last week at DCAD because there's about a dozen of us coming. And it's like, oh, we're going to be at Playful Learning next week. And the people that weren't... Oh, so yeah, and, and we get good. a theme tune. We're getting a theme tune tomorrow. Oh yeah, that Chris and Chris, Jane. Are Chris doing. and Jane session. We're gonna be. It's gonna be like West Side Story. We're like, play for life. Yeah. I mean, I'm not musical in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. I mean, I'm going there, but I'm not adding anything at all to the mix. As long as we don't get all shocks and jets about it. Yeah. What would the other side be? Play for learning. And the other side be like rules. Dolphin <laughs> learning. What's he, what's he called? Dolphin learning. learning. <laughs> I did. I, I did. Yeah. I, I, think I, you I did. It no, I didn't. Oh, okay. That I, like I, a I just. I just said normal conference. Uh, no, the the point was that we were talking about how playfulness is kind of the is not othered, but it's like how to encourage people to be playful or playful being a thing, and that actually maybe we should switch it so that the normal is to be playful, and that actually all the other ones are doleful. And that where we should just talk about doleful conferences and a normal conference. <laughs> and that's where we got to with then that, wasn't it? Like we'd it. all be normal then. Oh, and that's not so good, is it? That's all right. To quote yeah. Craig Charles, always remember that you're unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> um, cool, should we wrap it there? Yeah, okay. Okay, that is the end of our day one coverage of Playful Learning. Um, you can subscribe to us on all your favorite apps, feeds, iTunes, and at pedagodzilla.com. Uh, you can also get in touch. I am at pedagodzilla. I'm at Mark Childs. I'm at Anas Penne. I'm at Puyin. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, if you do, then subscribe to us. That's it, basically. Yeah, we love you lots. And we'll see you next time. We're going to be back bye. tomorrow with another daily recap. Bye-bye now. Bye. bye. Can I just admit that... Um,
I was going to say it was really great to be here with Pen and Puyin, and then I realised that I, I ought to include you, so I already edited what I was going to say halfway through the sentence. <laughs> oh, cheers, Mark, sir. Way to break my heart. <laughs> Only because I see you so much anyway, it didn't seem that. Oh, I'm sorry. The star, the familiarity, the love has died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're all doleful now. <laughs>